News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. My name is Jay Thomas, and we're with uh, Jill and Rick Van Dyke, of course, and we got to begin with Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. So much to be thankful for. Absolutely. Incredible. Yes, absolutely, because look, look at the world we live in, right? Yep. All the things that are going on around us, and we're here in Canada, and things are pretty good. Yes. That, that's what I always say. I say we won the birth lottery. You know, we live in a great country, right? Yep. Um, you know, like it's 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 just you know the country we live in. It's so beautiful. It's there's so much going on. The people here. It's just uh, yeah. We get to enjoy four seasons. We, to, yep. we never get bored. <laughs> yeah, that's we never for get sure. bored. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and when spring comes, you're just happy to get out in the garden. You know, like when, when you're way down south and gardening happens all year round. It's not as exciting as as. Are, it is in Saskatchewan. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we live in more <laughs> a, a world of anticipation up here. So yeah. we anticipate spring to come. Then when spring's here, we anticipate summer to come. And then when summer's here, we're so hot, we're anticipating fall to be here. And um, for those who like the the snow sports and the snow fishing and or the ice fishing and snowmobiling, they're like anticipating the snow to come. So my, my son would rather see the snow than go to somewhere warm. It's <laughs> just the way he is. He just I'll trade go. places with him. How about that? <laughs> I'm with you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go somewhere warm instead okay. of seeing the snow. <laughs> Jill and I are going on a vacation. All yes. right. Welcome to the show. This is, in fact, our last two-hour show of the season. We're yes. going to be going down to one one hour yep. uh, coming up next uh, next weekend, and that's going to continue throughout the you know the colder temperatures yep. because there's just a little bit less going on. There's going to be a replay during uh, the af- the afternoon as well. So if you miss Garden Talk in the morning, you're going to catch it later on in the afternoon as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you can join the conversation right now at one 332 8255 You can text us, you can call us, both ways to get into the to the, the show here, and we'd love to get your, your calls out. What are we talking about uh, most lately in the, the greenhouse right now? What's happening? Well, a lot of people are closing down their yards, so there's a lot of things that we're doing with that. We're reducing watering with some things. We're holding off on watering so we can do a, a hard water on some of our evergreen yep. trees and some of our trees before they go to bed. Um, we're fer- finishing fertilizing the lawn, um, giving it that the final trim. Yeah. Um, we, we, have, we have an irrigation system in our development, and so this next Wednesday, the irrigation pump is coming out of the out of the lake. So it's it's everybody's watering the trees. Yeah, so getting everything, giving everything the last soak, right? And well, so, th- this past week we had some cold temperatures on. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, night. And, yeah. Thursday Wednesday night. and Thursday night, right? And everything on my on my deck was doing pretty good up until then, and that was it. All yeah. the coleus are like, Bleh. yeah, they're just, coleus and the potato vine are oh, just they, done. They're black and yucky now. Yeah, they're gross. Yeah, so we we covered everything up those nights, and so we were okay. Really? You know yeah. what? I actually never got to covering up my mom's and my pumpkins on my yeah. front step, and I was extremely nervous that they were going to be done because. It did go down quite cold. Quite it was cold. like minus five to minus seven. Yeah. Yeah. And with the windshield higher than that. Yeah. So. And they were fine. So I have kale and I have some pot mums and I have some grasses in my pot. And those are perfect plants that if you see them out right now, you want to change up to sort of get that fall Thanksgiving. Hey, even before someone comes for, for turkey tonight or tomorrow, pick up some of those things mm-hmm. and you can quickly just pull some stuff out. I don't even take some of them out of the pot because I want to be able to pull them out um, really quick later when I want to change out my container when it's really cold. Right. So I just kind of dig a little yeah. hole, pull the stuff away, and then just set them in. And then I use some pumpkins to strategically place around to sort of make it sort of uh, hide the pot. So that's perfect. So, okay, now 
that's for doing a fall little arrangement. Yes. Now let's say people that want to do a fall arrangement, but they do a Christmas arrangement. So okay. what do you, how do they get, how do they prepare their pot for that? There's a few things you have to do. You have to, if you have a ceramic pot, you want to make sure you take out some of the soil because you don't want that soil to expand and crack your pot. Yes. Um, so that's really important. And, and, make then, it, and don't water it right now, let like it hmm. really dry, right? So. And then what I usually will do is choose a container that will fit inside there and sort of set it in. And then uh, if you have two containers, it's even better because then you can set it in just to we make We used to use an ice cream pail. Yeah, as right? a holding spot yep. or maybe two ice cream pails. And then you can pull it out, bring it inside the house, do your Christmas arrangement, and then you can throw it full back of, in. Full of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, st- you know, the foam and that kind of stuff. And then yeah. you can just stick your branches from your cedar boughs and everything else. Mm-hmm. And- if you're going to be adding some big sticks like birch birch poles or some yep. dogwood branches, it's good to do that now while the soil's not frozen. Not frozen. <laughs> so stick those in now and then they'll freeze in and then there's no way that wind's going to take them yep. away too. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can you can take that big pot that lives on your front step or your driveway or wherever yep. and just have like a mini pot that kind of comes in and out so you can change it for seasons that exactly. way. Exactly. For- and, and, then, and then add topsoil for the yep. summer and grow live things back in and again. Yep. Next year. Yeah. So when I actually saw my mom doing it the other day, she actually tips her pot sideways and then she takes a big knife or a saw and she saws the root ball in half and puts the bottom half of the root ball back into the pot because she doesn't want to have to refill it next year and then takes the top out and then she puts her seasonal containers in. So that was a really neat way of doing it. It's where you're not having to spend some money on some some of that bottom soil. Um, So you just cut it off um, with a saw (laughs) she was using because it's so thick and solid and then takes that top part out so it leaves some room and some room for some fresh soil for next because you want to make sure you're replacing that top, at least a top foot of soil. And then, and, and then also, go ahead. I was going to say fall mums you were talking about, yep. th- they survived. So those, that's one kind of strange plant that will kind of make it through some of those colder yeah, temperatures, right? It's very frost tolerant. So your pansies, your kale, your um, fall mums, and some of your grasses, they'll be a little bit more frost tolerant, as well as some of your perennials as well too. So like your heuchera. Um, so if you see like a perennial that maybe is normally going to survive the the winter, it, those can help um, survive the frost yeah. as well too. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah my heuchera that I planted this Late summer. I mean, they're still they're still they, they don't even show signs of frost at all out in the garden right now. And heuchera, so. Jay, if you love coleus um, or potato vine, mm-hmm. heuchera kind of has like an interesting leaf, and it's more grown as a foliage. Yeah. So a lot of people are starting to put heuchera into their container because they can extend their season. Some people oh, okay. know some people know heuchera as coral bells. Coral bells. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I'm yeah. not now. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's a leafy shade <laughs> plant, and they kind of come in some really amazing colors too. Yeah, cause... like a lime green and a beautiful fall colors, a purple with vein. Um, you can get them in sort of a, a copper autumn. It's um, a really burgundy one, burgundy, right? A wine colored yeah, one, wine right? Color. So some really beautiful colors. Another, cool. th- another thing you can get ready to do is that you can put your stakes in the ground. If you're going to wrap your, your cedars and that kind of stuff, right? Mm, so yeah. you, before the ground freezes, put your stake in the ground, then you can wrap. The best way to do is wrap around the stakes. Okay. Some people like wrapping because they've got a great big cedar or juniper and they want to wrap right around the tree itself. They have to remember it. You don't have to put the wrap on right away because uh, it's the it's the spring that that gets them brown, not not the cold winter. Right. And so you want to make sure you leave. If you're going to wrap, make sure you wrap at least six inches off the ground so the snow can get underneath the wrap. Otherwise, if you wrap right tight to the ground, the frost will go minus forty. It will go through the burlap and down into the root system because the root system is not co- not protected with snow. Mm, yes. So leave it off the ground, or if you want, you put the stakes around and then. Uh, and then, and then put you can put it right down to the ground. Then, but you leave the top open, right? You go higher than the plant so the sun doesn't get it, and then right. the snow falls in. Also, I'm going to be putting my stakes in this weekend um, because I have to wrap a few pine trees for the deer. 
You're yeah. putting, you're not putting like a burlap around those. You're actually putting like a snow fence. I'm putting around a those. snow fence around these for the deer. So I don't want the deer. I got a little bit of a bush beside me, and I'm just worried about the deer going to come in. And so I'm going to put a, a snow fence. So I'll put my stakes in the ground so that I don't. But I won't put the snow fence up for quite a while because the deer don't come after those until they get hungry, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But I'll put my stakes in the ground and so that it's ready to go. Okay. Let's uh, go to one t- text before we go to our break. Okay, this sure. is from uh, our first texter of the morning, uh, Jean, who's in Regina. She says, enjoy the program very much. Thanks, Jean. I have a few Easter lilies that were uh, put outside the, for the summer. Some have bloomed again, and many are producing new bulbs at the base of the mother bulb. Any recommendations for storing them over winter? Uh, I'm thinking of treating them like an amaryllis to let them die back and then bring them back out in February or March to get them going again in the light. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. But the only thing with uh, an Easter lily is you want to, those are going to take about uh, nine to ten weeks to bloom again. So from the time that you want it to bloom, if you want to bloom it at Easter, right. you'll want to time it back from the time that it's going to bloom. 10 weeks from Easter. Yeah. Yes. So you want to take it out at that point in time. So it's called forcing your bulbs to bloom. So that's the only thing with you when you're taking those blooming bulbs, like your Easter lilies or your tulips or any of those plants that you want to bring inside to force, you want to time it back from the time you want to bloom it. And so what, that's when what, you want to take it out. What temperature from now till then? Uh, from now till then, you want to just keep it at a consistent temperature. So like in a fridge crisper, you yep. could do um, something that's not going to freeze the bulb, but something that's going to keep so, it dormant. So four degrees is a good temperature to basically acclimatize the bulb so it'll bloom again mm, for yep. you, right? Okay. So that's usually fridges around four. Important though, no fruit with the bulbs. Yes. Okay. And the other thing too is, um, like she said, do the exact same thing that you would do with your amaryllis, your canna lilies, your calla lilies, all of those, your dahlias, all those bulbs. So lift them up. If they haven't died back down to the bulb, just sort of take that dirt off, let them die back down to the bulb on some newspaper. And then, um, once they've died back down, then cut them and then store them. Right. So always do that step first. Yep. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Our first break of the day. Uh, we've got a text from Glenn and Swift Current, Jeanette and Regina, Linda in Shellbrooke, uh, Ross in Saskatoon. And and we're going to start with a call from Dave, who's in Kipling, as soon as we get back. So stick around, Dave. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I love that splitter before we got onto the break there. I swear I thought turkeys could fly. You know, the good old WKRP in Cincinnati. Turkey drop. Turkey drop. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, that's uh, such a great clip. I actually watched that clip the other, the other day. It surfaces on YouTube or <laughs> yeah, on Facebook, you know, yeah. kind of this time of year. The somewhere somebody drop. posts it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, welcome to Garden Talk, and we've got callers and texters to get to, so we're going to get going with some of that stuff. Uh, Ian is waiting patiently in Saskatoon. Ian, you're coming up, but uh, Dave gave us a call first, and he's out in Kipling. Hi, Dave. Uh, good morning. Happy it's a great day for Garden Talk Radio. Oh, yeah. thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. I happy Thanksgiving to all you, too. Uh, question for you about garden tomatoes. Sure. Uh, my wife and I had a pretty good turnout of them this year, and we grew them in the same spot as we did last year. And just wonder, should they be moved around like potatoes? Uh, you can move them around, but it's not necessary unless you've had a fungal or a blight in your garden. You don't necessarily need to move them around, yep. but you can move them around. Usually because I'm rotating other things in my garden, I usually end up rotating the tomatoes as well. Yeah, because you're going to move potatoes. So then where are you going to put the potato spot, right? So, um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's sometimes you're just moving just because you have to, because you, you're, you're moving your, your ground crops, your carrots, your potatoes, all your radishes, all that kind of stuff. I see. Well, with the tomatoes that we got that didn't ripen, and some of the ones that did ripen, and just because we're about June 3rd going in, um, the the tomatoes got a nice size, the beefsteaks got a nice size, but they got that 
that crease in the middle, then they got that, you know, that darkness there. So they just weren't a nice form, nice potato. Tomato. And yeah. that's just from the heat that we got in that spell. Oh. So that okay. that was what that was from. Yeah, and also a little bit of inconsistent watering with the heat. That was really tough to keep them watered properly oh. with the heat. I see. Yep. And are they good to leave out for the winter? I mean, what we didn't pick, um, do they make any kind of fertilizer? Oh, yeah, it's all compost, right? Yeah. Really. They'll, they'll turn to mush in the yep. garden, and you can road till them in the spring. Perfect. Okay, well, have a great Thanksgiving. Okay. Thanks to all of you. Yep. Thanks, Take Dave. Care. Take care. I know. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh let's go to another caller here in Saskatoon and we'll talk to Ian. Good morning, Ian. Hi, good morning, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Yeah, same to you. All three of you, sorry. Yes. Um got a question about watering. So um first of all, I, I got some pro I got I finally got all my perennials into the ground that I bought this year. But the last ones I got in was early this week. So I'm wondering when it's this late in the year. Um, do you still water every day for the first week and then and then weekly afterwards, or do you cut back since they maybe aren't taking it up as quick? Yeah, as long as long as the long as we give them a good watering when you planted them, and then just probe the soil to make sure there's some moisture there. That's all they need because you got to remember that the plants they're still going to be active. The ground's still warm for quite a while yet, so the roots going to be actively growing, right? But there's no okay. there's no tops to take all that extra moisture out, right? The tops are, are are because of the daylight hours and everything else, and the cooler temperatures. They're transpiring less, right? So they're going to take they're going to need less water. Do the finger test. If it yep. feels dry, give them some water at this point in yep. time when you have a newly planted plant. So I would just probably do like a consistent watering, making sure that it stays moist, but it's not sopping wet either with those new new perennials. I should know that rebar by now, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> the suggestion, too, is if you just planted them late, I would suggest just put throw some mulch over top of them. One way you could do it, too, as my father used to always do, is it was really simple. It was a genius, actually. He used to take a white garbage bag, put the leaves in the garbage bag, put it over top of his tender perennials, throw a stone on top of it, or a brick or whatever he had, and then in the spring... He didn't have all those mushy leaves. He just picked up the garbage bag because the white bag reflected the sunlight. And then that, that gave a thermal protection for the plant, and it was easy clean up in the spring. And the white garbage yeah, like, bag looks like snow, too. Yep. Some of these are still, uh, like, two feet tall. Yep. Um, so, you know, I haven't cut. I, I have clear bags that I picked up. Is that going to work? Well, clear bag acts like a greenhouse, so it can warm up, you know. Um, that's why he liked using the white ones for it, because it reflects the sun. Right, so so that's what's that's what's so nice, and black ones also attract the sunlight as well, right? It heats up, right? So okay. so white is actually better. And with your perennials, in regards to you cutting them back, just wait for the frost to hit them enough that they're going to sort of turn brown, and then you can cut them back. Or if you want to leave them up and cut them back in the spring, you can do that as well. Okay. Now, about uh, maybe three weeks ago, I gave all our trees uh, trees, you know, a really good like four hours on a trick on a trickle. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I need to do another one because it hasn't been that hot. Uh, but I, I want to turn my sprinklers off. So I'm wondering, is this the time to give the grass a last watering too? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Give the grass one last watering because it's been dry. We haven't had no, no moisture, right? And then for the shrubs and trees, we talked earlier, just do your rebar test. You might not have to. You, if you give them that good of a soak, they might be fine yet, right? Yeah, like 20-foot trees. Yeah. So otherwise, you check your probe, probe the soil. If, the, if it's dry down, you know, 12, 16 inches down the ground, then give them another good soak. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if you have time, but the last caller was talking about tomatoes. I, I'm, I've always wondered... Um, 
when you pick tomatoes that are green and you look on the bottom, I, I had read somewhere once, and I, but I don't know if it's really true, that if you look on the bottom and you kind of see like a, like a star on the bottom, like it's called ma- mature green, okay. and that, that then they will ripen. Yeah, most tomatoes will ripen. I mean, there's a lot of tomatoes, that, a lot of vegetables that are picked green because they, that's the only way they can make them to market, right? That's why it's so nice to find local because it's actually vine picked, right? Because a lot of tomatoes and that kind of stuff are not vine picked. They're they're not vine ripened, right? They're 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 ripened afterwards. And so, um, but your your best tasting one is is obviously. But I mean, the tomatoes. The biggest thing to do with them with their green is make sure that you wash them well. Um, yep. You can cut back the vines or you can leave the vines on if you want, if they're they're far enough apart yep. from each other on the vine. And then you can store them on um, an area where they get a little bit of airflow around them. So like a crate or um, some newspaper or like, you know how you have the apple um, cardboard that comes in and it's kind of wavy. You can set them on there. And, and just, just not touching each other. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And then they, they will ripen and you can even just leave them on your counter. I had some green tomatoes on my counter last week and they are fully, fully ripe now. I kind of remember my parents taking a couple apple boxes and they put the tomatoes in with, you know, newspaper on top of them sliding under a bed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just, but they, they put them, yeah, they'll take a little longer to ripen you slide them underneath the bed. But, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it, it, some people put them in their basement, some people have them in the garage, whatever. So it's, it's, it's some people have, if you have a, a way to work it, then I say success is always different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right on. Okay. Okay. Well, happy Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thanks Take again. Care. Take care. Bye bye. 1-877-332-8255. We got time for ooh one text. It's like one minute to go. So here's Glenn from Swift Current. I have chinch bugs destroying my lawn. I have some pounce that I use to kill some ants. Can I use it to kill those bugs? Yes. Do I have to repeat that process? You may have to, depending. Um, this time of the year, you may not have to, but in the summertime, you may have to repeat it in. 10 to 14 days. And is this a thing to, to take care of this time of year or just don't worry about it now and deal with it in spring? Um, yeah, if they're, if they're active still, you can deal with it now because all, all this, they're all contact. So they'll kill them right away. Right. Cause they're all going to go into the soil and then be there next year. You don't see singe bugs around very much, but there's some areas that are hot spots. I know this last summer, Prince Albert area was a hot, hot spot for mm. singe bugs. So it's just like the, it, it's the same as the 10 caterpillars. It's their kind of cycles. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. News break coming up for everybody. We'll take a quick, short stop and then back to the text when we get back. Jeanette, Regina, Linda, and Shellbrook, and a lot more than that. So we'll, we'll get your text on as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back to Garden Talk, our last two-hour show this year. Back, back to one hour next uh, next weekend, but that's still still yep. lots of time to get your calls and texts in. We're going to get to those texts as soon as we get back uh, from our, our calls, of course, because they always get to go first. one 332 8255 And we're going to go out to uh, Lestock and one of our regulars and talk to Ron this morning. Good morning, Ron. Where's, where's Lestock, Ron? Where's Lestock? Uh, you know where Raymore is? Yep. It's east of there. Uh, okay. 15 miles or so. Perfect. So let's talk and less talk. That's my favorite. <laughs> More talk from less talk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I uh, tried to grow some of these giant, supposed to be giant onions, um, uh, Elsa Craig, I believe they're called, and uh, in a planter on the deck. <clears throat> but they didn't get big. They just stayed 
like they're inch and a half by inch bulbs, 20 of them in this bowl, 14 inch planter with seven inches of dirt. So, what kind I of dirt? It, what kind of dirt? Uh, like rot of manure and that sort of thing. Okay, so I, it I, was it was soil. It wasn't a soilless mix. The one your planter, it was soil actually. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, so I, I I pulled the planter in before the hard frost, and I was wondering, okay, can a person keep them over and replant these bulbs next spring? Like, should a person leave them in a planter or pull them out and let them dry? And can that be done? Now, honestly, um, root crops, um, especially like onions and carrots and potatoes, they'll do okay in a pot, but um, you have to really be fertilizing them um, with the fertilizer that is meant for them. Like with the potato in a pot, you'd want to use the potato fertilizer. Um, with an onion, I'd use something that's got lots of organics in it um, with like um, some kelp in it. Um, well, the problem is... is um, planting your root vegetables in a pot is quite different than planting in the ground because you're having to water so frequently. It changes the makeup of the soil very quickly because it leaches the nutrients out of that soil and it also compresses the soil very quickly. And it's too. also warmer. And it's warmer. So I find that a lot of my root vegetables, when I'm doing them in the pots, I'll usually pick a miniature variety. So I'll do shallots in my pots instead of my big onions. Um, I'll pick like the mini carrots in my pots because there's not as much room. Um, they, they it tends to get a lot hotter in there and it's not the ideal growth space for them. Now, as far as you bringing your pots in and, and just leaving them in there, I've, I've never had success with doing that with my vegetables. I've always, if you're going to take those onions out, I would just sort of but, take but them out even with the onions, the But even the bulb, the onion sets, I mean, that's how you buy your lot of onions yeah. in the spring, right? Yeah. So you can actually save them and then store them. But I wouldn't necessarily save them in that pot. I'd probably take them out of yeah, the pot no, and store them dry. Just like you would do a, a spring bulb, like your yeah. dahlias, your gladiolas, everything. Everything else, uh, just pull pull them, lift them, and then and then if there's still tops on them, let it dry down so it goes down into the bulb, and then and then you next next uh, next spring plant them out again. Yeah. So so a person could just cure them off like a normal onion, and then uh, uh, try it next spring and put it in out in the dirt I'd, instead of in a planter. That's what I would do. Yeah. Okay. I think oh, you have sure. better. I think you have better success. Uh, most people have, although I mean. I've seen potatoes grown in a potato bag, but they're still not as big as the ones you've grown in the ground. Yeah, that's for baby potatoes. Yep. And because you're trying something new, if this is the only way that you're getting your crop for the season, I wouldn't bank on it 100%. I'd maybe grab a couple bedding plant onions or some newer ones for the next season, just so that you're making sure that you're you're actually going to get something viable out of it for next oh, year. Oh, I grow hundreds of onions. Okay, but, perfect. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, one of the things, like say it shoots that, you know how some onions shoot up that seed stalk? Yeah. Like if you cut that off, will they just continue like a normal onion or, or not? Yeah, well, they, they should continue like a normal onion. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah you thank too, Ron. You. Yep. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is where you can join the conversation. I promise we'll get to the texts. We just get the calls first. And <laughs> they just keep coming in. So let's go uh, here in Saskatoon and talk to Mel. Good morning, Mel. Morning. Happy Turkey Day, guys. You too. Happy <laughs> Thanksgiving. Okay, Rick, I got a couple. Well, I got three rose bushes from you two years ago. And uh, the Canadian Shield one, I don't know what the heck is wrong with it, but it must have had Viagra or something because this thing has just gone nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Canadian Shield, uh, ca- Campfire, all those kind of things are... are, are um... That's, I got that and the Chinook. 
Yeah, just make sure what you, what's so important is that once you get past the September long weekend, do not deadhead them anymore, okay? No, uh, I already stopped deadheading them, but I yep. want to move this Canadian Shield one. When okay. is the best time to do that? Oh, in the spring, absolutely in the spring. Yeah, do okay. it as soon, as soon as the frost is out of the ground. So earlier the better, so around April 15th, April 20th in that range. You know, yeah. as soon as the, as soon as you can dig a shovel into the ground, before they bud out, yeah. um, move them and then and then transplant them. Then that's the best time. Cut them back in half, okay, and then transplant yeah. them. Yeah, okay, because it's only two years old, so the roots shouldn't be that nope. crazy. Nope. I'm thinking so. You're, you're, it's, but but it's better than transplanting them in the fall right now. I just uh, I would in case we get no snow and that kind of stuff. Uh, you're better off just exactly better off in the spring. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Mel, for the call. Take care. Okay, have a good one. You Bye-bye. too. one 877 We're going to go over the text line now because we've got uh, quite a few that have rolled in here. Jeanette is in Regina wondering if I can move my lily bulbs this time of year. Uh, so that's moving them. Can you move them? Absolutely. Yeah. You absolutely can move them. Yeah. You want to make sure the stalks have dived up back down into the plant first, and then you can kind of dig them up. Um, because once they, the, sh- they should be dived up, they should up be all now. done by now. Yeah. So just take a nice, um, shovel, scoop up a bunch of them, kind of like you're harvesting yeah. potatoes and, and you can move them that and way. And if there is some green stem on them, take a good chunk of earth with them and then just move them with the stem and everything and the yeah. bulb and everything. Yeah. Okay. Just like yeah. a transplant. Second question is, is it too late to plant perennials? No. no, absolutely not. You can plant perennials and trees and shrubs right, right up, up till the frost. Freeze, right up to freeze up. But I do, um, with my perennials, I do like to mulch them a little bit in the winter time, just to make sure that yep. they give them some extra insulation because they aren't rooted in yet. Just for that first winter. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, this is from Linda, who's in Shellbrook. Can you trim pine trees now? Do you cut close to the trunk or leave a one-inch sort of little stump? No, there's there's a there's a there's a special sweet spot. Okay, so it's not. A stump because what happens that stump rots back into the trunk okay. and then it's not right right tight because you cut off the collar okay so there's a little bit of a collar so you want to leave a little bit of that you want to leave that collar on so it's a little rings you see right tight to the trunk yeah you want to leave that and then if it's a bigger branch coming out sort of in a in a in an angle uh, the ones growing straight out you can just cut it off straight off but the ones that come up on a bit of an angle you want to actually you'll see that there's a little line where that collar goes into the trunk yeah it's so it'll be on an angle going in. You take that same angle and you go the other direction. So you're cutting on an angle out. So just Google it if you're not sure you want, if you're visual like I am. So just Google it. You'll see some pictures out of how to prune them properly and then you'll see it exactly how to do it. But go ahead, do it now. That's okay. Go ahead, not a problem. Yep. Okay. Actually, best to do it as soon as possible with pine trees so they don't bleed in the spring. We're going to get one more text in here. This is from Ross in Saskatoon. I have a couple of silver mounds uh, by my front driveway. A lot of snow gets piled there in the winter. Should I cut them down for the winter or leave them and cut them down in the spring? If he's got a lot of snow, um, I would leave. I would cut them down now, clean them up. Um, they can be cut right down to the ground. And, so you're not breaking branches yeah. and stuff when you're piling snow so on, right? So silver mound is an artemisia. It's a silver yeah. leafy plant um, that kind of grows in the hot sun location. So if he's got lots of snow, cut him right back. And but you know what? Okay. If you didn't do it, it's they're gonna you're gonna cut him back in the spring anyway. So yeah. it's one six or one half dozen other. But if you've got lots of snow on him, that Jill says cut him back now. I hey. like a clean, clean yard in the fall, so I cut everything back <laughs> that I go. can. Okay, I'm opposite. 
<laughs> What's better? Need we'll, to, we'll fight over need it. Need to organize. <laughs> All right, we've got Ken and Bob on the lines. We're going to talk about a mountain ash with Ken. We're going to talk about giant pumpkins with Bob in a second. So hang on, guys. I promise we'll get to your calls as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Zooming through our first hour here of Garden Talk. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. So much to be thankful for in our lives, of course, here in Saskatoon and Regina, across the province of Saskatchewan, yep. and in our country of Canada. Um, yeah, uh, we're just talking about things like that on the break, and there certainly is a lot to be thankful yeah. for. Yeah, we're we're pretty lucky living in a country that we are. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the little things that, that we always complain about, whether it be, <laughs> you know, price of gas and everything else, but food, but there's, look at how many people around the world that, you know, don't have the opportunity even to get their food. Yes. Right. So I mean, there's it's it's all over the world. Like it's it's yeah, we're very fortunate to be okay. in. We can walk around freely and uh, yep. and be safe. And- yep. Yep. All those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to get to the text line. Of course, I keep saying that, but the calls keep coming in. So, you know, as soon as we got calls, the text got to wait. We'll get to Ken's text in Battleford in a second. In Saskatoon, though, Bob's got something really interesting to talk about. Hi, Bob. Hi there. How are you doing? Very good. You. Okay, I got a question. Last weekend is was the Great Pumpkin way off, and I couldn't believe how huge these things are. Yeah, what was the, what was the big one? It was it was a new record that was this year again too. So well, there was one in Lloydminster that was twenty five hundred and seventy seven pounds, <laughs> and there was one in upstate New York that was uh, twenty five hundred and fifty four pounds. Yep. They have those. On, they have those on Intervenus. You know that, right? <laughs> well, I haven't got a clue. That's why I'm asking because yeah. it started. Uh, one of the comments was made. Uh, well, you got to start with good seed. Well, where do you get the seed from? Yeah, a lot of seed. A lot of people will start with their own seed, or they have a uh, tried, you know, supplier that they get their seed from. And the type of seed, like, make sure you get the the, the variety that grows that big. You got to remember. This is not a perfect looking pumpkin either, right? Like these things oh, are kind no. of weird shapes and everything else. Are so some big. of these people who are doing this as well, they're kind of doing a natural selection thing. So they they grow a lot of pumpkins and then they choose the biggest of the biggest pumpkin and yep. they collect the seed from that one. And then the next year they grow a bunch of pumpkins yep. from there and then they choose the biggest seed from that. And then continually yep. they got the best of the best big yep. pumpkins, right? So yep. it's it's something that can can necess- it can be handed yep. down yep. Um, through generations. There are big like b- big variety. Of pumpkins Ab- in seed packs you can buy, right? Absolutely. And they're starting these plants indoors, right? They're not just yep. planting a seed outside. They're starting yeah. to plant indoors and down the States, of course, their they're, they're season is a lot longer than ours, but you're starting it indoors. Like Lloyd Minister, to get that big in Saskatchewan is pretty awesome. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing, but I'm just kind of wondering, can I go to a seed company like uh, you guys or uh, Early's or Co-op or whatever and buy the Atlantic giant yeah. pumpkins, will they grow that big? Because- yeah, you'll have to start them early. You'd have to start them in, in January or February, start them indoors, yeah. get them going, move them up into the different pot sizes so that when grow, you put grow them Grow lights your garden, and all that kind of yeah. stuff, yep. Yeah, because our season is so short here. Some, that's some guys have little greenhouses attached to their houses, you know, and they're starting them out in there, and then they move them out. 
So you said intravenous, yeah. like they, I know it was kind of a joke, but how do how do they get them that big? They they'll have they'll have uh, like a, a special mixture that they'll have. So everybody has their own concoction. Hey, of, a shout out to our callers. If you have tricks <laughs> growing big pumpkins, call in. Let us know your tricks. Yeah, we the, want well, to know the, how you do it's it. It's the type of fertilizer. Some people have their own concoctions they do, and some people use organic. Some people use non-organic, but they're. I mean, to get that big, you need everything to be perfect, right? So all your micronutrients have to be right as well, not just your nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, right? Yeah, so, because I was told at one time that, okay, you start indoors and you get them outside. Yep. You've got manure in the in the ground and everything. And, uh, and then as the vines grow, you're burying each leaf junction because they'll root. Yeah, they root. That's right. And then that gets more energy again to the plant, right? That's that's just shocking. Look <laughs> at how many how many pumpkin pies you could make. <laughs> it, it, it's a science for the people that grow them b- big like that. Okay, it's it's a it's a challenge and a science. So it's um, uh, well, and, and the plant that only is supporting one pumpkin, right? It's narrowed down. They're, to... they're narrowed down. They're not growing a whole bunch of pumpkins on that either. You're right. So um, and uh, because yeah, because they were saying that some of the leaves get four feet across. Oh yeah, they're big. They're big. So. And remember, pumpkins take a lot of water. So, oh yeah, and a lot of nutrients yep. and a lot of uh, yep. swearing if they don't grow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and you're using. So, yeah. so I, uh, sorry, I uh, tried growing them. This is a long time ago, and the biggest one I ever got was. 381 pounds and i'm thinking holy mackerel that's incredible but that's nothing <laughs> that's nothing <laughs> well that's still something that's, that's still, still well, something it's nothing compared to those big big ones but i mean 381 pounds good you grew, job you grew a 400 pound pumpkin that's incredible <laughs> but but you got to remember even the even the atlantic giant is not going to get as big as those ones like those are all you know like they're all been seed that people have have you know God from well, somewhere. They're crossbred, are they're cross-bred, they? Crossbred, all they? that kind of stuff. And you got to remember, because look, they're not perfect pumpkins, right? Yeah, they're all, they're more like a gourd, right? Like yeah. all different shapes and and sagging, and there's, they got them sitting on a pallet, right? Because <laughs> that's yeah. the way they can move them around. Well, well, whatever they're doing, maybe yeah. that's what the uh, Rough Rider offensive line should. Do. <laughs> <laughs> they need okay, some. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great day. Spot. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> they need some fertilizer there. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right, let's keep going. We're going to go to Battleford right now and talk to Ken. Good morning, Ken. This is no, the Green Show. <laughs> now it's, it's the different Green Zone. That's right. <laughs> How you doing? Okay, uh, I got a question here. About, uh, I got a mountain ash, uh, they say, I got it 30 years, 35 years ago. It say, I think it was American mountain ash, eh? Yes. And it, uh, it had berry, quite a few berries on all the time, but then it, the robins come in here and clean it off like they clean whatever was on there off. Yep. About a week ago. Yep. But you see mountain ash around the town and the cities of that, and they, uh, have their berries on this one all winter. Yep. And I, fe- I feed birds and squirrels all winter here, and I'm wondering what kind of mountain ash is that? No, same same mountain ashes. It's just that they, they just don't have the, the migration coming through your yard like you do. 
And the same thing in my yard. Uh, one winter I had all berries all winter long, and the other winter, the next winter, I had robins. I had uh, some some whole flock of fifty sap suckers come through and eat them, and then whatever's left, the magpies came and cleaned off. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So it it all depends on 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 your migration. Like you said, you're you're a feeding station, so you're obviously going to attract more birds. Yeah. And, and the word gets out. The word gets out. Yeah, and that's the place to go. But the ones in uh, the city. Uh, it looked like this on one one tree, and mine is kind of a, a branched out like a. Yeah, yeah. There's different varieties. Like there's black hawk. There's there's uh, there's the Russian upright. There's there's oak leaf. There's American. There's there's quite a few European. There's ones that are more orange color. Some are more red color. So there is different varieties. But I mean, and you can make jam. Honestly, you can make jam out of all of them. And some people don't know that you can make actually a jam out of those. And uh, but yeah, the birds—it all depends. Like there's, birds are picky, so maybe one variety just has a little better taste than the other ones. And that all depends again on how much water, the nutrients, and everything else that changes the taste of the of the fruit, right? So yeah, but the one that's on it, kind of a tree type, is that a different one? Uh, no, there there is different varieties. So it all depends on on like I said, the, there is about five or six different varieties of Mount Nash. So what would I plant in this area, and I wanted to get the berries on this? Uh, I, I would try one. One that does really call, good is called Blackhawk. And uh, sorry, we got to go, Ken, here. So try Blackhawk out, okay, to keep the berries on all winter. Yep. But we got to run to our news break here, so we're out of time for, for any more here. we got to run. Uh, next sec- section of the, the show is coming up. Hour number two is on the way. So we'll get to your calls and texts. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to hour number two of Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyven Dyke, and we've got texts and calls. And just keep rolling, which is keep good. Going. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go to our calls. We've been waiting patiently. Uh, looks like our caller waiting the longest is Lori, who's in Ceylon right, or Ceylon right now. Hi, Lori. Good morning. Hi there. What's your question for us? I have a couple of questions. One is about uh, we had a bad hailstorm on July 17th, which, you know, pretty well flattened all my garden. Yep. I have a huge, uh, like I have a perimeter of dahlias around the outside of my garden, which, you know, just were coming along just beautifully here in the last couple of weeks, and they got froze severely here on Tuesday. And uh, should I be digging, chopping them off and digging them up right now? Yeah, as soon as those um, those leaves have sort of gone down to the bulb, which is perfect time right oh, now. Well, I don't know what they've done. They've just froze right off. If yeah. they froze right off, cut yeah. them back. You can harvest them, bring them yeah. inside for storage. If there's yeah. some, if there's oh. some green, just dry them on, uh, dry them, pull them, and then dry them until the. You can hang the, them. You can hang them, put them on paper. Uh, and I've then, been growing them for about fifty years, so I mean, I've been dealing with them all oh. these years. But somebody said, well, when they were knocked back with hail, then you get to tell uh, us how to do it, right? You do this. <laughs> For yeah, 50 and, years. Questions. and my other question is with gladiolas. Yep. Now, uh, of course, they got shredded to bits, too, yep. and they came back, and they were all the same color. They were all kind of a blush color with red interior. Okay. That's the only color I had. That, and you, you planted different colors? Pardon me? Did you plant different colors, or that's all I've the ones planted, that survived? I've, plant, I've had everything from purples to lime greens to yellows to, you know, uh, corals to everything. So you're saying after the hail, when they came back, they were all the same color. That's right. They have, in last year, I was getting a lot of this color. 
But now this year, that's the only color I got when they came back. Yeah, so what's happening, they're, they're reverting back for some reason. Like, we get that too. You get uh, even some, some different plants, like even spirea. Gold spireas will have all of a sudden get green leaves in them or revert back. So um, that that's one thing that's happening to your bulbs. I'm not sure why they're, you know, it could be your soil or everything else, but they're reverting back for some reason. That's what I wondered. Is something yeah. lacking in the soil? Yeah. Or? So one thing you've got to do is you make sure, watch your pH of your soil. That's important. The most important part is get checking your pH of your soil. And you can, you can do that with a home test, okay? Or go to your garden center and get a pH tester and get some distilled water. And then don't use your regular tap water and... Uh, uh, and then do a pH test, and, and then you can go from there. Uh, but then also using a, a bulb fertilizer, which has a lot of micronutrients in it, okay, a, especially organic. And what, what was that that I should be using? Like a, a bulb fertilizer. It's an organic okay. bulb fertilizer because okay. it has all the micronutrients in it. Okay. Not just not just nitrogen and phosphorus. It has boron, magnesium, it has zinc in it. It has all that kind of stuff. And you'd be putting that in when you plant them or exactly. after they're growing. You could do it either one. One of the things with GLADS too is if they're overcrowded, like when you're when you're growing them over the years, you'll want to separate them and thin them out because if they're overcrowded, you're going to find that the hybrids are going to, um, they're not going to pollinate as well together and you're going to start losing the color in them. The other thing that you can start getting is you can start getting viruses in your bulbs too over time and what those viruses will do is they will change the color of the bulb as well. So making sure that your bulbs aren't as crowded um, definitely will help you out as well too. Okay, and I always thought you were supposed to plant them close together. Well, you can, but once you've had I them mean, for I've been lots, two, three hundred of them every yeah. Year. <laughs> if they're overcrowded, you'll start to get viruses. But see, you're, you're, you're into fifty years ago. You didn't start with the same bulbs. You have little bulblets that came off, and now you're you've been changing, right? Because you've been different cross pollination and everything else. You see, okay. so so that that's what's happening now. So you also may want to introduce some new bulbs into your into your rotation, and you'll get back some yeah, of your. Generally I do. This yep. year I didn't I didn't have any new bulbs. Yep. Generally every year I have yep. no, so just, just, uh, at least one package of them or yep. something. Just right? to get your genetics back again, you may want to go to, a, you know, every once in a while go back to some new bulbs as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks, Lori. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to get another call here. Uh, we're going to go in Saskatoon and talk to Doug. Good morning, Doug. Morning. Good morning. I bought... Um, a couple of riverbank grapes, and I put them in at the lake underneath the second floor deck on the south side, right? So they got lots of sun, yep. and uh, they took a long time before they looked like anything. And now they're just rampant. They must be 20 feet by 12 kind yep. of thing, of yep. just riverbank, but not one grape. Not one uh, grape. Okay, the problem is, is that you have one variety, okay? okay? You need to get another variety. So you need to get a, I don't know what variety you have. If you just have a straight riverbank grape, you may want to get a, a Valiant or a Beta grape, okay? Mm-hmm. Or a Bluebell or whichever, um, and then put it, plant it in amongst there as well. Yeah. And then you'll get the cross-pollinization, you'll get more grapes. Hmm. I, I bought them from the little tree there a long time ago, but yeah, they're probably the same variety, exactly. Yeah, so you need another variety. All right, that's all I needed. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care. All right, let's go to the text line. We've got lots of text to get to. Uh, Ted, who's in Regina Beach, what is going on? It happened again. All the trees have lost their leaves. I have to pick them up. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> on the other hand, I have to move some cotoni asters. What will help with the success of that? Oh, the cotonias are tough. You can move them this fall. Once After they turn red, okay, they have to turn at least red before you move them. 
and trim them back in half, at least in half. I cut them back and then move them either now. You can either move them right now or you can move them as long as the leaves have turned color. Or if they're still green, don't move them now. Uh, or otherwise, move them as soon as the, the frost is out of the ground in the spring again. And there again, cut them at least in half. Okay? Okay. Uh, this is uh, Arlene, who's in Saskatoon, says, good morning. The nine barks and rose bushes in my yard have little holes in the leaves like something is eating them. What would be that? How do I treat it? Okay, the the roses, I mean, it could be, uh, there's a whole bunch of insects from little rose uh, slug, you know, that that's the biggest one that I have with roses. It was a tiny, it looks like a little caterpillar, but it's actually a little slug and it eats little holes in it. And I had the, that picture come to me like a whole bunch of times this summer. Okay. And so with that one, you can just use a, uh, basically every 10 days using a, a bug, bug X out, which is old, the old ambush. Um, or you can use uh, Endol or anything else as long as you're making contact. Cause those bugs don't fly away. Obviously, there's there's there, so you can use Endol because it has some pyrethrin in it as well. So um, uh, it's the safest product. Um, so you can use any one of those, and you'll be able to take care of them. Just one thing you got to watch for is that when you're especially with roses and that kind of stuff, you just I like to spray them in the evening when the bees have all gone to sleep. Mm, okay. Then you're not spraying them when the the bees are on all the flowers and everything else, okay? Because we want our bees. It's important. And so just spray them in the evening and because uh, those bugs are still there in the evening. So, right. And you got to spray the underside of the leaves as well, not just the top. All right. We've got a call to get to. Let's go to Faye, who is in Saskatoon. Good morning, Faye. Good morning. I have two questions. Uh, someone gave me a piece of horseradish some years ago, and I planted it and thought I'd be smart and planted in a big bowl in my garden so yep. that it wouldn't spread. Yep. Is it usable? Like I, I get lots of leaves, but I don't see anything underneath them. Well, is your bowl deep enough? Um, like your bowl would have to be like your pot would want it. You'd want it to be at least 14 inches deep. But the problem with the pot, it's no different than, than a potato or anything else. You're not going to get as big and it's not going to get the same ground crops don't do as well in a pot. Horseradish, they love hard soil and just regular soil. A lot of people plant them out in their back alley. I think she said she had a... Did you have that bowl buried in the ground or is it just above I ground? I do have yeah. the bowl buried oh, okay. in the ground. I yeah. just wanted to contain them because the yes. friend that I got them from had a huge shrub and I didn't want that. What, what kind of soil do you got in the in the bowl? Um, potting soil, I would think. Yeah, okay. so you use garden soil. Use garden soil. Okay, okay. Yep. Use garden um, soil. Will I ever get anything from them, or are they just kind of decorative now? Uh, de- I, I would I would take that plant next spring and plant it into the ground, just in regular soil. Okay. Or okay. plant it, put dig that bowl into the ground again, and then put regular soil into the bowl and replant it. But take all the the soilless mix off of that root and plant it right into the soil. And, and make sure that bowl has drainage. Yes. Okay, yes, it does have drainage. I okay. just didn't want it all over my yard, yep. so nope, I thought I could contain it that way. Yep. Yeah, horseradish, once you have it, you'll never get rid of it. It is it, <laughs> it is a bit of a weed that way. It's, it's evasive. Which is exactly why I planted it in a bowl. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, my second question is about canna lilies, and I know you've talked about them a lot. Um, I have I brought mine in in containers after they we have that first frost. I have now cut them all down to within an inch of the ground. Yep. And um, someone suggested that I pull them out of the pot and put them in a dark container with a dark lid in my basement. 
Okay, you can do that. Or if you have a space that you can leave them in your pot, you can do that as well. There's many different ways to do it. Yeah, some people put them in a paper bag with a little bit of sawdust with a little bit of moisture in them and then put them in a dark place, cool place as well. So there's lots of different ways you can you can store them. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for Thanks the call. Thanks a lot, Faye. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. You thank too. You too. Okay, let's take a quick break. We're going to get back to our texts. Tammy in Saskatoon, Bernie as well, Cheryl. Uh, who else we got here? Sue in Silver Park, Gord is in, Gord is in Saskatoon. Uh, and so many more. So we'll get back to those as soon as we get back. Lots to come. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I hope you get to spend some time with your family or do something relaxing and enjoyable. There certainly is some pretty nice weather. Again, you know, like we've got to say that sort of every weekend for the last the next couple months. I was looking at the next next fourteen days are actually twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. You know what? The longer this goes on, the less (laughs) of that white stuff we got to deal with, and that's how I look at it. It's like, go ahead, yep. Fall can stretch out as long as it wants. I, I, you know, my average is planting up to November the tenth. So that's been my average over. I mean, the the latest I planted a tree is November twenty third. Wow. That's the latest I've ever planted. Did it survive? Though? I think yeah. my son yeah. was listening to Grandpa because he was hanging from the monkey bars yesterday. And I said, it's such a beautiful day. He goes, yes, and it even has a nice warm breeze for this time of year. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> how, would it, how would you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting way to describe it, Bo. <laughs> I mean, I mean there's, there's, one year we, there's one year we were done the end of September because we got a huge snowfall and basically yep. got everything so wet and everything else. You couldn't do anything. So, but... But normally, on average, November the 10th is when I still plant trees and shrubs and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Let's go to our text line, uh, 1-877-332-8255. Julie in Battleford says, need to move my asparagus. It's about six feet tall. I'm brown, browning off. Do I move it this fall um, or not? Regardless, can I cut them down and use the fawns as ground cover? Yeah, yeah you definitely can cut them and yep. use it as ground cover. I would probably move them in the spring when it's dormant still. I, I like doing that better. Or or mulching them. You know, if you do move them in the fall, mulch them heavy. Um, but with the asparagus, you can also dig them up and store the roots for the wintertime and then plant them again in the spring as well, too. So there's there's multiple ways that you can do that yeah, one. Just kind of make sure you have them in a, in, a, in a spot where they don't dry totally right out. But uh, if you're going to store them... Just like you do other bulbs, right? You don't, you want them to get, you want them to be dry, but not so they don't rot, but you don't want them so dry that they They're just... They're starting to go pruney. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tammy's in Saskatoon. Given the forecast we were just talking about, uh, should I continue to water my raspberries? Yeah, you can still just probe the soil. Yeah. Honestly, just probe the soil. Because so, we don't have those hot temperatures and lots yeah. of sunshine anymore, and especially right? with all the mulching we've been doing, um, I've been just even doing research. People, I was thinking about that just this last week, and, and people are talking about how hard their gardens are and everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a good way to, 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 people are doing a lot of permaculture now, right? And so that's why they're, so what they're doing is they're mulching a lot of their gardens. So if you mulch in between your rows of gardens, you don't have to weed, right? It keeps the moisture better. It keeps the soil temperatures down. You can do a lot of that, but that also means that you have to kind of watch your soil so that, you know, you're, you can probe the soil because you, your watering is going to be totally different. Right? I planted a bunch of new shrubs in my backyard and I yep. watered them really well before, right when I watered them. I yep. think I've watered them twice since because I actually yep. am checking. And usually like I plant a new plant, I want to water it like every day for a week. Mm-hmm. But because I put three inches of mulch around each plant yep. and in that whole bed, it's not drying out as fast as usually Right, right. Big difference. 
Okay, on the text line, uh, Bernie in Saskatoon brought up something very interesting, and she, she, she or he, not sure, but said, don't forget to check out the U of uh, uh, University of Saskatchewan. Yep, their online gardening classes. They're yeah. they're huge. I was I was just at a meeting this last week and um, talking to Jackie Bantle and and uh, and a bunch of other people from the university, and they say some of their classes have been their their numbers have been growing substantially. And so people, and it's all online. You can do it, you know, by webinars and all that kind of so stuff. So gardening.usask.ca yep. is the website that you go to. So gardening.usask.ca yep. and there's different master classes you can take. Yep. They have one hour like webinars that you can do yep. on specialty ones. There's so many different things. And then during the spring season and right before spring, they usually do like a power amount of sessions and they do so, so you many. Get your fix of gardening all winter long. Yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. Hey, we got to go back to the last text for a second because it was Tammy talking about raspberries yes i gotta give a big shout out because uh, we had my my in-law my wife's side of the family's thanksgiving yesterday yeah and i have to give a big shout out to my mother-in-law because she made me well us but i requested it a homemade raspberry pie Yum. my favorite Yum. so it was like raspberries from the garden <laughs> and a crust she made herself oh. and it was she was like she was all oh i don't think it's gonna be any good i don't yeah. know she's never tried it before it was amazing my aunt used to make a fresh raspberry pie and so she'd make the pie crust and then pick the fresh raspberries from the garden and then just top it with some whipped cream on top oh. it was is the best ever and such a simple thing to do. Yeah, so the raspberry pie turned out amazing and I got the leftovers. So <laughs> take them home. One little hint for everybody, okay? When when there's multiple pies, you know, for today for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, okay. And people ask you, you know, which one do you want to which one would you like? The, the answer is yes. <laughs> the calories don't count on Thanksgiving is what you're saying. Oh my goodness, Dad. No, calories. you just don't want to pick grandma's pie or mom's pie or nope, Costco the, the pie. Answer, you just say yes. The answer is always yes. <laughs> Which one do you want? Yes. 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 <laughs> no hurting anyone's feelings. <laughs> okay, let's keep going with the text here. Uh, this is an interesting one, and I think, Rick, you can speak to this. So this is from Sue, who's in Silver Park. She says, good morning. Planted my garlic bulbs yesterday about six inches into the ground. Okay. Yet on the farm, we make sure the water lines are dug down nine feet into the ground to prevent <laughs> water lines from freezing, freezing. in the ground. Yeah. So kindly explain, uh, do the uh, garlic bulbs planted only six inches down the ground freeze in the winter? If they don't freeze, how, do this ha- how does this happen? How do they survive to grow in the spring? The difference is water is not hardy. So what you're saying is that six inches bulb, this bulb six inches yeah. down, technically probably do freeze. Yeah, what do you're freeze. trying to do is you're going to try to make some, get it to freeze and yep. then stay frozen and stay dormant through the season. Yep. What you don't want, the reason why you don't plant it too close to the surface, because then it can thaw and freeze, thaw and freeze, thaw and freeze, and then it will start actively growing for you. It's not when it's really, really cold that it's going to harm the plant. It's when we're going through these times when maybe we don't have as much snowfall and we're it's getting to the minus especially, 20. Especially the shoulder seasons, mm-hmm. right? Early fall and early in the late. So spring. Rea- reality is that the, the water line is nine feet down because yep. that does protect it from freezing. Yep. The garlic bulb is six inches on the ground. It does freeze. We want it to freeze. We want it to freeze. We want it to stay frozen until it does but, thaw. But right? you also remember, like, it's, it's you ever you ever notice where water lines freeze? Water lines freeze wherever you're driving over top of them or have a pathway over top of them wherever you compacted the soil. That's where it'll drive down eight, nine feet. That's why in the cities that they've got asphalt to clean the snow off of them and everything else. 
if there's a good snow cover and the ground is not compacted, the frost doesn't go down that deep. Okay, it right. just doesn't. I mean, uh, I've done I've done data loggers where we we've tested midnight every day and and noon, and one and uh, midnight and noon. Yeah, that's when it tests it twice every a twelve day. hours. Yeah, and we put probes into the pots and that kind of stuff, and uh, even for underneath our wintering our, for our plants. And once the snow came, before the snow came, the temperature was all over the place. It was up minus 12, everything else, you know. As soon as the snow came and covered everything, wherever it was protected, it went up to minus 2, and it stayed at minus 2 the whole way. So that's the idea, is you put your garlic into a uh, 6 inches underground, you've got uh, maybe a foot of snow on top. Yep. It's, it freezes, but it's not a hard freeze, yes. yeah. and it stays that way. Yeah. And just like if you're doing more like a tender rose, you're going to dig that down a little bit deeper because you're going to want it to make sure yeah. that it's it's getting a little bit more insulation down right. there. So I hope, Sue, that that kind of helps explain why how that works and why it works. And But that's why snowfall you know. is, the white stuff is very important for us yeah, in, okay. our, in our province. Okay? Fine, fine. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. News update for everybody right now. Back to the text line after this. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650. CKOM and 980 CJME. Beautiful blue sky, nice Sunday afternoon coming our way. Hope you're enjoying it and happy Thanksgiving. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and we've got, uh, you wanted to talk. Oh, yes. I, I get some texts on Sunday mornings, and I love that getting this one. I got this one from Corey this morning from Weyburn. It says, time for my favorite two hours of the week. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, we are going down to one hour, so you aren't going to be able to listen to our voices for yep. two hours on Sunday mornings. But thanks for being such a loyal listener. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're doing on Sunday, you have us in your ear. So yep. happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we're going to go back to the text line. Uh, this is Cheryl, who's in Saskatoon, says, Good morning. I'm wondering if I have to water in the fall fertilizer that goes onto my lawn. I'm using the slow-release groundkeeper, yep. which yep. is great. So w- water yep. it in? Absolutely. And then water it in yep. once, and then we, we can shut our yep. then taps shut off, down. right? Because yep. that was what I did this on yep. Wednesday night. I heard yep. all the compressors in the neighborhood going, yep. <laughs> trying to blow the sprinklers out because of those you know minus seven yep. temperatures that we got. So... Once it's watered in, at this point, Rick, we can probably stop the watering, right? Yeah. Can uh, I stop watering uh, my lawn? Uh, it depends on the temperature here, right? But then so, i got to put the sprinklers back on remember, and i got to blow them out most again. Most of the leaves are either turn color or starting to fall off, right? Yeah. It's more the conifers, like the big evergreens, mm-hmm. that you got to watch. Because if it warms up, I mean, they're still transpiring, right? So, well. So you want to make sure that they, you want to probe the soil around those big evergreens to make sure that they get their last soak if they need it. Jay, I know you like a nice lawn. I can see <laughs> you the out prop, there with your Mr. But, bottle. I can't turn but my sprinklers most on. people have a tap that's not hooked up to a manifold. Well, yeah. I don't, unfortunately, right? But so, but otherwise, you can always run a tap from you know unscrew where your laundry hooks up, and you can hook up a garden hose and stick it out the window. <laughs> my my birch trees are still pretty green, so I'm trying not to water anything no, at all. The birch trees let let them, and they're need, next to my lawn, they so need, that's why they I need, need to stop. They need to turn color. So if you've been watering the lawn too much, yeah, you need to slow down to get those things to change color. Okay, we'll let them go. Uh, Gordon's in Saskatoon. Is there a fall applied product to, pre- to prevent snow mold on lawns? Yeah, you can use bor- Bordeaux or, or copper copper sulfate is actually yeah. better than even sulfur. Copper sulfate. You yep. can spray it on. You can spray it on and yep. let it like, stay on the lawn, right? All the go- golf courses, mm-hmm. they all, especially on the green, not the fairways, but the greens. They're they're all spraying with the with the fungus on the south side of my house. I find I don't get snow mold as much, but on the north side of my house, because the snow stays so much longer, I'm always getting it there. So I will be doing that spray this year on the the north side of my house. That's where the problem is on where the where the where the snow stays, or in your front yard, yeah, right where the snow stays for a long, long time after it gets all the driveway. (laughs) Off the driveway, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, this is from Alvin, who's in North Battleford. It says, good morning. We've got various types of shrubs, dogwoods, decorative chokecherry. Is now a good time to cut them down? How far do we cut them? Yeah, Thanks and long, happy Thanksgiving. As long as they turn color or, or you know, change color or drop their leaves, mm-hmm. you can trim them back a third, half, doesn't matter. Some of the dogwoods, if they're really big, uh, you can cut them right back, not a problem. Yep. Or you can just do a light trimming just to shape them. Okay. It uh, really doesn't matter. Sometimes the dogwoods, I like to take some at least one big old branch out and let next year let it fill in. Uh, because otherwise the dogwoods, you know, that we like the red branches sticking out of the snow. Yeah. But after a while they turn gray. So I just like to, I, what it's called rejuvenating them. So every once in a while I'll just take, I might have a hole for a little while, but don't forget during the summertime with, with fertilizing, those holes are going to fill in. Mm, okay. Uh, we had, we were talking about giant pumpkins with Ron. Yep. Or was it Ron? One of our callers, anyways, yep. a while ago. Uh, he said, uh, check out the Facebook. Somebody said here, check out the Facebook group, the pumpkin growers out of Leader, Saskatchewan. They're giant pumpkin growers and they, uh, even raise money and donate to the community. There you go. Doing that. So that's there, pretty cool. There'll be lots of forums like that of people that are really into growing big pumpkins and you can, like I said, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There's lots of people out there that are willing to share their knowledge, and that's huge. Cool. Deanne is in Saskatoon. says, love the show. Heard the question about moving lilies. I have a heritage martagon, or martagon, martagon. Mm-hmm. When I dug up an overcrowded clump, I discovered too many bulbs to plant in my overgrown small yard. Yeah. How do I store them over winter until I can make some space? Yes, yeah, so then same thing. Put them into a paper bag, so, whatever. Well, first get them out, right? Get them out, dry, dry them. Cut right? the tops off. Yeah, cut the tops off once the top dried out, and then store them into a... Get some... Best way is, if you're going to store them that long, is get some bulb dust, Okay. Okay. And then put some bulb dust in in with them, and then uh, and then store them in a paper bag with just a little bit of sawdust or peat moss, but mm-hmm. just a little hint of moisture because you don't want it to rot. And it's just so that they don't totally dry out. And put them in a dark, cool place. And then uh, and then next, uh, what you want to do then is you can start next February. Basically, we start around the end of February. Is we pot them up and then get them growing. It'll bloom quicker that year. That year we have them, but we want them blooming so that people can buy them and see what the flower looks like. Uh, but otherwise, you can plant them straight out in the yard as well. Okay. Uh, let's go to a call. We've got uh, Doug, who's in Saskatoon, wants to talk about uh, getting some trees prepped. Hi, Doug. Yeah, I've got some cedar trees, a row of them. There's about uh, 15 in a row from south to north towards the street. Uh, the ones out by the street are smaller and seem to winter a little worse than the ones that are back and a little more protected. Yep. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, is it necessary to wrap all the trees individually or just try and put a windbreak for the lower part of the trees? What's the best way to prep these for winter? Yeah, all you're trying to do is keep the sun off of them, right? So however you want to do that individually, or you put a row down on the south side of it, or sometimes if you have a white fence, you're putting on both sides because the reflection off the fence is sometimes worse, okay? Um, so you're, all you're just trying to do is keep the sun off. You're not trying to keep the cold off of them. It's the sun. And the sun is when we get a schnook in the middle of wintertime or is mainly is, is in March when the sun's starting to get in the first week of April, when the sun's getting higher and warmer and the ground is still frozen and it's desiccating the leaves. So it's drying out the leaves, but there's yep. no moisture coming from the frozen ground. Yep. And another way you can do it, if you don't want to cover them, you can also use a product called uh, Wiltproof or FoliGuard is another name for it. And you can spray them. It's a wax substance. You spray it on as late as you can in the season. Okay. And okay. then when it's still above zero, or you can spray them early in the spring, you know, uh, as long as it's above zero when you spray. And then that basically seals the, the little needles on the cedars. And, and then it'll keep them from desiccating as well. 
I'd much rather I'd much rather do that than cover them. I thought it was more the wind going through them that was drying it out. But well, you say it's the yeah, sun. It's it's the wind and the sun, but it's the sun is the big one because it's okay. just they, they transpire. Even the, the the sun will dry out the needles, and then they can't get moisture from the roots because they're frozen. Is this uh, a spray that you mix with water and just use with your? Your home sprayer? That's or? correct. There's there's a concentrate, and then there's a ready-to-use. You can buy one that comes in a in a mister bottle that's ready-to-use, or it, you can get concentrate if you've got quite a few. Yeah, you got quite a few there, sounds yep. like. so. Okay, what was the name of that again? Wiltproof or Foley Guard. There's two different brands. Wiltproof or Foley Guard. Guard, yep. Okay, well, thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it, Doug. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, back to the text line, because we've got a few more we can squeeze in before our next break. This is uh, Stephen or Stefan in Dundurn. How do you harvest horseradish? Do you dig it all up and replant? So yeah, you, you can. Wanna, yep. Yeah, you can dig it all replant, and or you can just take some of it and leave, leave the rest of it. It just keeps growing. But basically just digging it up. It's a root crop, right? It's a root crop. If you yep. leave, if you leave even a tiny bit of it, it oh, will yeah. spread you again just, for next you can year. Just break a little piece off and plant it back in again; it'll grow again. <laughs> but even if you leave a little bit, you take most of the plant yep. out; it'll it'll fill back in next it'll year. It'll fill back in again, right? Because it spreads. Absolutely. Right, that stuff. Okay. Yep. Uh, this is Tracy. Is there anything I need to do for winter with my double leaf fern, double fern leaf peony? First planted in the spring, it's about six inches tall. Not really. The only thing you can do if you want is 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 in case we do get a winter with no snow until Christmas, and that's happened before. Yeah, it has. It's just mulch them, and then take the mulch off in the spring. And, and like you said, go. mulch with either mulch, mulch or do the bag of leaves, white bag, bag of, and white put bag it on of top. Leaves, put it on top. You can do that too. Uh, you can put uh, a box over top, open the flaps on the bottom, put some dirt on top of it, and then just fill the box full of leaves so the leaves don't blow away. You know, there's a whole bunch of ways you can do it. Right. You're just trying to get them with yep. a little bit of protection yep. from the heavy frost exactly. and stuff like that, the cold temperatures. Okay, this is Linda in Saskatoon. I bought and grew beautiful begonias, begonias this summer. Is there a way to winter them and grow them again next summer? Absolutely. Now you want to lift them. If, if they're still green on the top, most likely they got hit by that frost, okay? But if they're still green on the top, just pull them, pull them out of the pot. You can bring the whole pot in if you want and put it in a, in a, in a garage that you keep around zero. You can just do that if you want. Or you can lift them out of the soil and let the tops dry down if they haven't, then cut them back to where, just like when you bought the bulb, you know, it has a little hollow spot in it. Mm-hmm. Cut them back and then store them in a, in a paper bag with just a little bit of sawdust or peat moss with just a hint of moisture. If you want to use a bulb dust, you can use that as well and just keep any fungals from happening. And then store them there. And then um, in with begonias in January, February, you want to start them in a pot again and get, get them going again. Okay. All right. Let's do a quick uh, quick break. We've got uh, Lynn in North Battleford, Laura out of Saskatoon. Who else? Tom from Redvers and Michael Lloydminster. Some more text coming up. So, hey, stick around. The answers are on the way. I'm Jay with uh, Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Time flies when you're having fun. It's our last segment of Garden Talk and our last two-hour show of the season. We're back down to just an hour, starting next weekend. Nine o'clock, nine to ten. Yep, still nine, but just nine till ten instead yep. of eleven. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Got to thank uh, Gene here for waiting patiently on the line. Gene's in Regina and wants to talk about hostas. Hi, Gene. Hi there. Uh, yes, I have uh, a number of hostas in my yard. Some are some new ones this year, but I have five. They're called Royal Wedding. Okay. They were planted in. 2018. Yep. Uh, do I cut them back or should I just leave them? It's up to you. They're very large, but uh, and still looking good. 
Yep, it's up to you. Like I, myself, my daughter Jill, who just, who's who's left the station right now because her, her daughter's on the ice and she wanted to go watch her play a game. But anyways, it, it, for her, she cuts them back in the fall because she likes to get everything clean. For me, I like to lay, let them, I cut them back in the spring, a little bit mushy, but all those leaves, especially those giant leaves that you have, they lay down, they actually act as a protector, like a mulch, right? You never worried about, say, Bugs or that laying eggs, and then no, because I, I do clean. I do clean up everything in the spring, right? So, right. and yeah. uh, and so um, most likely those bugs, if with the frost we've had, if you had any right. bugs, they've gone down in the soil already, anyways. Right. Okay. okay. Thanks very much. You're Thanks, welcome. Gene. You're welcome. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We were talking about pie before. You were saying how you know when you're when you have to choose which choose. pie to eat. The answer is yes. yes. And we had a texture say, "I'll take store bought pie without complaint. I'll take homemade pie without complaint. I'll yes. just have pie." But have pie exactly. Uh, happy Thanksgiving from Lynn in North Battleford. Morning. I bought two Diplodenia plants. Do I trim them down now? And, and by how much? Uh, and can I transplant them? Yeah, you can transplant them. You can bring them in. You can grow them inside the house if you want to all the time. Uh, you can bring them in. Uh, they won't survive outside, okay, so you have to bring them in. And um, so you can treat them as a house plant, or you can put them just like some people put the geraniums. You kind of cut them back and put them in a spot where they stay a bit dormant, you know, yep. like in a basement window or something like that, a little bit of light, a little cooler. So you can either way. Some people will, like I said, keep them growing. I would suggest taking all the flowers off. And trim the back and make and give them a good spray before you bring them those because there's lots of bugs usually on them, and especially on the flowers. So don't worry about the flowers. Take out the buds. Take out the flowers. They'll grow new ones again, especially if you put them in a bright window. Mm-hmm. Like they'll grow new ones again. So, but uh, clean them up. First of all, Uh, Laura's Northwest of Saskatoon. Good morning. My gladiolas were flowering when the hard frost that minus seven uh, came this last week. Is there any chance the Corns or corms will be mature enough to save for next year. I'm not sure what you yeah, meant by that. Should be, yeah, yeah. The, the all, all the, yeah, they should be okay. Yeah, okay. because we're getting to the time now when you should be starting to think about bringing those in and drying them, and um, and they know, you know, hanging them, and so that uh, all the energy goes back into the bulb, and so now is the time to start thinking about that now too. Okay, Tom and Redverse says I'm bringing in my citrus trees to put uh, to grow in. Some tents downstairs. Yep, they have some fruit on them. Should I still be fertilizing them? If so, how so? How often? Yeah, fertilizing them using using a like there's a citrus fertilizer for them, and for the winter time, but once a month. Okay, oh, once a month. Okay, yeah, once a month is pretty unless you're watering lots, but you tend to water less in the winter time. If you're still watering lots, if you have them in a bright light, or if you have them in, he has said he has some tents. He might have uh, lights and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He may have to fertilize every couple weeks. You know. And so it all depends on the situation that you have. Michael's in Lloydminster. Is there any special fall care to be done for rhubarb? Mine are well-established plants. No, not much. Nope. They're tough as nails. They're tough as nails. Yep. Back alley plant. Absolutely. Take the slush and the slop and the... Had, had a spot out in the fields where we had a row of them, and then we harvest them, and then ended up being a road right where, not by purpose, but a road ended up being right where they were. And these crazy things were little pieces that were left in the ground grew again in the middle of the road. In the middle of the road. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, George is from Humboldt. Uh, because of an abundance of moisture in the summer, some shaded areas in my lawn have some small clusters of mushrooms growing. Yep. Would copper spray, like Bordeaux, sprayed on these kill them off? No. 
Okay. You know, uh, there, there's really no chemical for mushrooms. The biggest thing is, is to get rid of what they're feeding on. So aerate the area. So you might have too much thatch. You might have a root. You might have a piece of two by four or a piece of plywood underneath there. There's something, something that they're so growing on. The moisture is helping it grow, but yep. so removing the moisture so, will start to help well, things, no, But right? also actually put more moisture, keep the moisture there, but actually adding some fertilizer, adding some compost accelerator, oh. adding some air, things to break it down. Even leaving the, even leaving the mushroom there, if you can, if you don't mind the mushroom, it helps eat whatever is feeding on quick, more quick. Okay. So, but it, usually means that in the grass, a lot of times you might have too much thatch. Okay. Jan's in Saskatoon. All my container flowers are still alive because I transfer, transferred them on those frosty nights into the garage. Yep. My favorite three pots are uh, Rieger begonias surrounded by golden creeping Jenny and a spider yep. plant. Yes. Can I bring these indoors for winter? Yes. Those the, they'll all the, keep going. The begonia, you may want to, to lift the begonia itself and then give it a rest. And then start it up in February again, but the spider plant and all that kind of stuff, absolutely. Just make sure you spray it. And she said, can I spray with, yeah, and all, that was the question. Yep, spray. Absolutely. I did, I did, I blasted a, a couple plants I brought in with cold water first. Yep. And then I sprayed them with end all and I put some, uh, some of those, uh, nematodes in the soil. Yep. You can actually buy nematodes for house plants. For, for, for the, for especially for the, for the, uh, fungus gnats. Yeah, for fungus gnats. Yep. Put those in. Haven't had a single nothing. There you go. It's been good. Yep. Uh, this is John in Saskatoon. We've got a mature paper birch. It's still green, just like my birches yep. are. Can I prune back brack? Sorry. Can yes. I prune branches up to one inch in diameter yep. without hurting the tree? Do it right now, quickly. Do it in more August, September is a better time, but it's still okay. We're still early enough in October. Do it ASAP. Okay. Uh, this is Margaret. I brought a, I bought a praying mantis nest in the spring. Yep. Uh, released them into my Virginia creepers. Forgot yes. about them until this past week when I yep. spotted a couple of them on my potted plants. One was three inches long. <laughs> cool. I captured one yesterday. Can't wait to show my gra- grandkids or yep. sister's grandkids today. Yep. Very cool, Margaret. Very Br- cool. Bring it in the house. Put it on your house plants. There you go. There you go. Uh, we, uh, this is also Rianne. Uh, we have a number of spruce trees in pots. Currently, we have plant, haven't planted yet. Yes. How can we ensure the spruce trees live throughout the winter? Plant them pot and all in the ground. There you if, go. If you haven't decided where you're going to put them, then plant them in the where you want them, or otherwise put the pot and all into the ground. Dig them up next year. Well, give them good watering. Yep. Put them in the ground, and then they'll be okay. And you can and dig them up next year to move them if you want. And best if you can, put them in a spot where they get a bit of shade. Yes. So they don't get the hot, hot you know, the sun right on them. Well, we did it. That is pretty much it for Garden Talk. We got all the texts done. Look at that. Good job. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. To everybody out there, hope you enjoy your weekend. We'll be back for a one-hour show next weekend, same time, same place. I'm Jay with Jill, with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Thanks for listening on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.